Good morning, Lakes Free Church. Pastor Jason here. And uh, I just got to say right off the start, I miss you guys this morning. Uh, church is certainly different when no one else is around with us. But uh, I am so glad that God has blessed us with the technology that we have to be able to uh, film this morning's sermon via live stream. Uh, we're very fortunate that we can continue to worship together in this way. And uh, the Lord, you know, told us that uh, his worshipers would worship in spirit and in truth. And so that's what we're going to do today, whether you're watching from your dining room table, in your living room or family room, whether you're on a, an iPad or a tablet of some sort or your uh, TV at home, uh, we are going to worship together today in spirit and in truth. You know, these are uh, certainly unusual days uh, for our nation. We are uh, finding ourselves in tumultuous times where people have many concerns and many fears. And as Christians, friends, we want to be people of faith, uh, not people of fear. And so today we are going to uh, come together for worship, uh, even separately in our own homes, but we are going to gather around the truths of God's Word and hold fast to these truths that have sustained the church for 2,000 years. And so uh, I just want to invite you to uh, be uh, in a spirit of prayer this morning, uh, ask the Lord to give you a spirit of worship wherever you are, and let's be thankful and express great joy at what we have in Jesus Christ. I want to read for you this morning from Psalm 23. You know, again, in times of uh, fear and concern, there's nothing better for us to do than go, go back to the, the old, old truths that have sustained the saints for, for many years. And uh, Psalm 23 is certainly one of those great uh, passages of affirmation. A psalm of King David. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great promise for us to hang on to this morning. The Lord is our shepherd. He goes with us. He takes care of us. He shelters us, and he provides for us. And so, friends, I pray that you would hold on to that hope. And I pray that as a church, we would live out that hope in our daily lives, uh, we live in a world today that is ravaged by fear. And for those of us who know the Good Shepherd, we can walk in faith and confidence and certainty. And uh, that is a, an example that our world desperately needs to see today. So let's point our world to the hope that we have in Jesus. Let's live with the confident assurance of the Good Shepherd who walks with us. And uh, let's share with others that hope that we have so that they too might uh, hopefully put their trust in the Lord and know him as their good shepherd uh, as well. Well, this morning, our time of worship is certainly going to be different. Uh, I want to just share a couple things with you uh, this morning for our Lakes Free family in particular. Uh, first of all, you won't have a worship guide with you this morning, but if you go to our church website, lakesfree.org, under our resources section, there's a publications tab that you can click, and there you can find the March 15th bulletin. So I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, you know, we're going to hold on to our upcoming events loosely. We don't know what the coming days are going to bring to us. So you're welcome to go through and look at the various announcements there. But, uh, but again, hold on to our future plans loosely. And as a church, we're going to try to keep you apprised of uh, any uh, significant decisions or disruptions to our plans that, uh, that may come. Also, too, want to mention this morning that on the back of the worship guide, and again, this, this is something you can find on the Lakes Free website under resources and publications. On the back of our web, uh, on the back of our worship guide, we have the sermon discussion questions for today. I would really encourage you this morning, friends, to uh, use those sermon discussion questions with your family, with your friends who may be gathered with you this morning, and spend some time continuing your worship after the sermon by going through 
uh, those discussions and reflecting on today's passage. You know, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. Last week in our study in the book of Philippians, the, the Apostle Paul pointed us to the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ, to the greatest treasure of all, and that is our, our faith in Christ and, and everything that he is and everything that he means to us. And, you know, again, in days like today, to know the surpassing worth of Christ, to have that hope, is such a great joy, such a great assurance. Last week, Paul pointed us to Jesus, the greatest treasure of all, and today we're going to continue our journey in the book of Philippians. I've had people ask me in recent days, you know, Jason, are you going to preach on the coronavirus this morning? And I said, no, we're not, we're not going to preach on the coronavirus. We're going to preach on something much more important, and that is our race as disciples of Jesus Christ. Friends, there is no more important goal in life Not avoiding coronavirus, there's no more important goal in life than pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly and becoming more like him in in every way. And so again, last week, Paul pointed us to the treasure that we have in Christ. Today, Paul is going to encourage us to run the race in pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to turn in a few minutes to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. Before we do that, I want to have a time of prayer. Uh, I want to remind you again, we don't have our normal offering this morning, obviously not being gathered together. Uh, if you would like to worship through giving today, that is a possibility. We have that available through our church website, on our church app. And uh, friends, I would uh, certainly encourage you to consider uh, remaining faithful in your giving to the church. Uh, We still have bills to pay. We still have staff to support and missionaries around the world who who depend on our support. And so, again, if you could continue to contribute faithfully, that would be a tremendous blessing. And uh, we're going to do our best to continue to be here for you and serve you uh, as much as we can, given the unique times that we find ourselves in. Well, this morning, I want to pray for our message. I want to pray for all of you. And then uh, after I pray, I'm going to lead us together in reciting the Lord's Prayer. You can do that there in your homes together. And then we will enter into our sermon for this morning. So would you please, uh, wherever you are, bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning. Even though we find ourselves in different locations, Lord, we are united in spirit because of you and because of the Holy Spirit that we share as believers. We thank you, Lord, for the unity that we have in you, even over great distances. And, Lord, we have people throughout our community watching this morning. We have people around the world watching this morning. And yet, for those of you, us who know Jesus Christ, we know that we are truly together in one spirit before the Father. We thank you for that reality, Lord. I pray, God, that in these days of fear and concern, that the the truths that we profess as Christians would would buoy us, sustain us, and support us, that uh, we would not be people of fear, but we would be people of faith who shine brightly the light of hope to our world today. God, give us the courage and confidence of, of walking in your presence. May we remember that you truly are the good shepherd, and may we find our peace in you. Lord, I I pray for my friends from our church. I miss my Lakes Free family this morning, God, and I pray wherever they are that you would give them much grace and peace this morning. Bless them, Lord. Give them wisdom. Watch over them and protect them. Lord, we, we pray that you would just support and sustain our church in these difficult days. And I pray, God, that this temporary separation from one another and corporate worship would not last long but that, God, you would provide a way for us to begin gathering together soon. Lord, we pray for our world and our nation, and we pray for this virus that is uh, spreading and, and seems to be so, so rapid, so urgent, and so serious. Lord, we pray that as your people, we would take this seriously. We would take the appropriate measures to, to guard ourselves and our loved ones and our community against the spread of this virus. But Lord, while we do that, may we also not be crippled by fear. May we remember that there is a sovereign God who oversees all things and that nothing happens in this world outside of your providential care. And so, God, may we rest in that hope. May we trust in that promise. And God, may that give us great courage. And as Paul has shared so often in the book of Philippians, 
May that promise give us great joy. God, help us to be people of joy, even in the midst of this difficult time. Lord, as we prepare to open the word and look at Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 21 this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would prepare our hearts to receive your word. God, wherever we are this morning, would you remind us today that true worship happens when we open your word. True worship happens when we go to your truth and and ask you by the power of your spirit to inspire these truths and illuminate these truths and, and impress them into our hearts. This too is an act of worship. And so, Lord, while we might not be able to sing together this morning and, and pass communion cups and, and uh, pass the offering and worship through our giving, Lord, while we can't do those corporate acts of worship today, Lord, we can together worship in your word. And so, God, give us that spirit now as we go to the book of Philippians. Father, I thank you for my friends. And now, everyone, would you please join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue, as I mentioned, in our series in the book of Philippians. And we've got a great passage this morning. Paul is going to encourage us in our race of discipleship. He's going to encourage us to press on in pursuit of that treasure, the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. I've shared some stories here at Lakes Free over the years of my time in seminary. I spent three summers working at a camp out in California. And uh, one of the traditions we had at this camp was an annual staff triathlon. Uh, during one of our weekends off, uh, the men and the women of the staff would get all excited. We would have this annual triathlon where uh, it, was, it was a different kind of triathlon. Uh, this triathlon consisted of a swim across a cove on the lake where our camp was, uh, was seated. Uh, it was about a 30-yard swim across the cove and back. And then after the swim, there was a 200-yard canoe paddle to the end of a peninsula where you would then park your canoe and race back down the peninsula on the dirt trails as fast as you can back to the starting line, back to the finish line. And this was the, the race that we would run for this uh, camp triathlon. Well, I had won the camp triathlon two summers in a row. And I'll tell you something, all the young buck counselors were out to get me. I was the head counselor. I was a little older than the other guys. And they wanted to take me out. They wanted to beat Jason so bad. And so I knew I was going to have to uh, run the race as hard as I could. Now, here's the thing. I was competing against a bunch of guys who were primarily uh, surfer kids from California. I mean, these were guys who had grown up surfing. They had grown up playing water polo. They were strong swimmers. So I knew that uh, I just needed to try to hang with them during the swim portion. I knew that when it came to running, I was as fast as any of them, so I knew the foot race wasn't going to be an issue. So my strategy was I was going to try to take them in the canoe paddle. You know, being a good Minnesota boy, I I have a lot of experience paddling a canoe, and so I figured, you know, I can take these guys when it comes to the canoe race. So the day of the triathlon came, it was me and about 15 other guys, different counselors from the camp. Uh, when the starting whistle blew, we dove out into that cove. We swam as hard as we could. I'm just trying to keep pace with all these other guys who are great swimmers. And uh, we get back to the other shore, cross back over. I jump in my canoe, and I start paddling. And sure enough, before, I, before you know it, I was already about a full canoe length in the lead of the closest guys behind me. I'm thinking, man, this is great. I've got a real shot to win this thing. So I'm paddling as hard as I can in my canoe 
heading towards the end of the peninsula. Uh, I get to the end of the peninsula. I jump out of my canoe. I look, and sure enough, I've got about a canoe or two lengths lead from the next closest guys behind me. So now I know all i got to do is i got to run this dirt trail as fast as I can, about 200 yards back to the starting line, to the finish line, and I'm going to win my third year in a row. Well, I start running, and uh, I know that there's some fast guys coming up behind me. And I was pretty fast, but I knew there were a couple runners behind me who were a bit faster than I was. So I start running, and I'm thinking, man, I got this race locked up. I'm running as fast as I can. But pretty soon, in my head, I start thinking, I wonder where my competition is. I I wonder where the guys are. And in that moment of thinking, where are the other runners, I made a fatal mistake. I looked back behind me for a split second, just long enough to slow my pace, long enough to to shuffle my feet an extra step or two in the dust of the dirt path I was running. And in that split second, one of my buddies right behind me passed me. And I was in a mad dash with this guy to the finish line. And sure enough, as we got 10 yards away and 5 yards away, and in the last feet, this guy beat me by a matter of feet, all because I made the fatal mistake of looking back instead of running full steam ahead, pressing on towards that finish line. Friends, it it was a fatal mistake, and it cost me the camp triathlon that year. You know, if the Apostle Paul had been there that day, I think the Apostle Paul would have just shaken his head and said, Jason... Man, let me tell you some things about how to run the race. And and today, Paul is going to take the posture of a coach. Paul is going to help us as we think about what it means for us as disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, to run our race faithfully in pursuit of Jesus Christ. Paul, in his various letters, loved to use sports analogies. He, he used boxing analogies and wrestling metaphors and, and especially analogies about racing. And here today, Paul, again, is going to take this posture of a coach and help us to recognize that the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ is really a life of running the race in pursuit of greater Christ-likeness, in pursuit of that greatest treasure of all, the all-surpassing worth of knowing Jesus and growing in the likeness of Jesus. Well, this morning we're in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. I'm going to read our passage for us. If you have your Bibles, please follow along with me. And uh, after we read our passage, I want to come back and share with you four keys that Paul gives us here. Four keys as to how we can run the race of the Christian life. Friends, this is one of the most practical passages in the whole Bible for us as disciples of Jesus. So I want you to pay close attention this morning. Starting in verse 12, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Here Paul is talking about the Christ-likeness that that he so longs for. He says, not that I've already obtained this, this Christ-likeness, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They, they, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What a great passage of scripture. 
What, what a practical passage of Scripture that we can apply to our lives as we seek to run the race of Christian discipleship. Paul here gives us some great keys in, in terms of how we can run the race faithfully. Four points I want to share with you this morning from our passage. The, the first thing Paul tells us when it comes to running the race of the Christian life, Paul says, number one, recognize that we have yet to attain the prize. Recognize that we've yet to attain the prize. In, in verse 12, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Friends, Paul understood that he himself hadn't yet arrived. Paul was still a a work under construction. Paul still had growth to to strive for as a follower of Jesus Christ. And friends, this this is an important point that Paul makes here. Because remember last week in our study, we saw that Paul was responding to false teachers who had come into the church in Philippi. False teachers known as the Judaizers. These were legalistic teachers who taught that that we could attain righteousness in this life. We could attain perfection in this life by keeping the law. And if we faithfully kept the the 613 Old Testament laws, that, that by doing that we would earn favor with God. And last week Paul said no. Paul said, I pursued that life of legalistic righteousness more than anyone. And today I count it all as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul understood, as we saw last week, that all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags in the eyes of a holy God. And it's only by putting our trust in Jesus Christ and in his saving grace that we can hope for right standing with God. It's not of our works. It's by Christ's work for us. And we receive that by grace through faith. But here Paul tells his friends in Philippi that he hasn't arrived He says, I have not already obtained this. I I haven't attained full Christ-likeness yet. I haven't attained full maturity as a follower of Jesus yet. I'm not perfect. Friends, what what a great word of encouragement for Paul's people to hear. That he himself was still running the race as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You know, friends, I'll tell you this morning, the first and most important step in running the race of the Christian life is recognizing that there's a race to be won. There's a race to be won. And there's a race that God calls us to run as his disciples. You know, we're not called to be spectators in this life of following Jesus Christ. This, this isn't a life of, of being a spectator. We, as Christians, we don't put on the marathon bib and then sit on the sidelines and call ourselves marathoners. No, we, we put on the bib and we get in the crowd and we run the race, striving, pressing on for the prize. This isn't a sideline sport. It's not a spectator sport. God calls us to, to faithfully pursue greater growth in Christ. And friends, a faithful follower of Jesus will recognize that this is what the life of discipleship is really all about. It's about a lifetime pursuit of following Jesus Christ. You know, one of my favorite examples of this reality is is our former senior pastor, Pastor Rick Stanghelly. Now, I know no one's here with me this morning, but if we were here on a typical Sunday morning, worshiping together, you know what Pastor Rick would be doing right now? In fact, you know what he's probably doing in his living room as he's watching this? Well, on a typical Sunday morning, Pastor Rick would be seated seated right over here, three or four rows back. He'd have his Bible open, and he'd have his notes out. And he'd be taking notes of the sermon. Pastor Rick, our founding pastor, the the guy who, who taught us God's word for 33 years here at Lakes Free. I mean, if anyone had arrived and attained discipleship in Christ like this, you would think it was Pastor Rick. And yet, here's Pastor Rick every Sunday morning with his Bible open, with his pen out, with his notes on his lap, still pressing on, still learning, still growing, still pursuing more of Jesus Christ. 
he recognizes that he hasn't yet attained the prize. And so like Paul, he is still pressing on. Friends, what a great example for us. What a great model for us. There is a race to be run. When Paul uses the word press on here, in in the Greek, the word there for press on is dioko. It, It means to pursue or to strive with intense effort. You get this picture of a of a racer running, straining towards the finish line, his chest puffed out, reaching for the tape to cross the line first. This is what Paul had in mind when he says press on to pursue and strive with intense effort. Friends, following Jesus Christ is not for drifters. The Christian life is not for drifters. Uh, A few years ago, my family and I took a canoe trip together on the Namakagan River up in Hayward, Wisconsin. The Namakagan is one of the tributaries that feeds into the St. Croix River. And uh, it was about a, a four-hour canoe journey from Hayward down to the section where, where the buses would pick us up to bring us back. And it was a great day, a beautiful sunny day. And the Namakagan River is a great river, you know, for the most part. It's got a nice flow to it. And we were having fun paddling down. Now, now this was a few years ago. So keep in mind, Caleb and Addie were a lot younger in those days. So uh, Kim and I quickly discovered that we would be doing most of the paddling on this particular canoe trip. But that was fine because for, for the most part, the river was running fast and we were having a great time. Well, as we were paddling down the river, we came to a section in the river where there was a split in the river. There, there was a, an island or a peninsula. We couldn't tell what it was in the distance, but, but the river split, and we had to make a decision. Would we go to the left or to the right? Well, we made the decision to follow the river to the right. Well, it didn't take us very long, friends, to realize that we had made a big mistake because we found ourselves in a backwater slough of the Namakagan River. The water had become nearly stagnant. The water had become brown and brackish and had stopped flowing and we were barely moving. We were sitting there and we had gone far enough down that we, we didn't know, was it worthwhile trying to paddle back or should we keep going forward? We, we couldn't see how far ahead this slough went before it reconnected with the main river. And so we were just stuck drifting. Well, friends, we had to make a decision in that moment. We had to decide, would we just sit there in this slough drifting with this, this almost nothing of a current, or would we dig in, paddle hard, and press on, heading towards our goal, towards our destination? Well, friends, with two young kids who were getting restless, Kim and I decided it's going to be a really long day if we don't press on. And so both of us in our separate canoes, we dug in and started paddling hard through that slow, stagnant water. And we eventually made our way out back into the main river channel. You know, I, I share this example with us this morning because it's easy for us in, in running the race of the Christian life to get mired down in the sloughs of this world. It, it's easy to get stuck and simply drift When it comes to the Christian life, we take our eyes off the prize and and we settle for lesser lesser things. And pretty soon we find ourselves just sort of just sort of drifting, just sort of stuck. But friends, that's not what Christ made us for. That's not what Christ has called us to. He's called us to a, a fulfilling, joyful, rich life of pursuing him, walking with him. And this is why Paul says, press on, dig deep, do the hard work to continue to pursue greater growth in Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, and we were talking about sanctification, this, this process that happens after we are saved, where we grow in increasing likeness in, in the image of Jesus Christ. We looked at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And there in Philippians 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you were with us when we, when we preached that message a few weeks ago, you'll remember that the work, the words there, work out in the Greek, convey this idea of fully mining the depths of all the riches we have available to us in Jesus Christ. 
It was a term that the, the Greeks and Romans would use for, for pursuing minerals and jewels and, and treasures in the mines that they were digging. Friends, if you come across a, a vein of gold in the mine, you don't just stop digging once you pull out that first nugget. You keep digging. You keep pursuing. You keep looking to empty that mine out to its fullest extent to get all the treasure you can find. Friends, that's what Paul is calling us to, uh, to here to work out our salvation, to press on in the race of following Jesus Christ. The the second point that Paul makes in our passage this morning, he next tells us that in running the race of the Christian life, we are to press on in steadfast pursuit of the prize. Press on in steadfast pursuit of the prize. Verses 13 through 16, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have already made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I forget what's behind. And I press on, straining forward for the prize. Here Paul tells us that in running the race of the Christian life, after we've determined to run, remember, friends, you've got to know there's a race to be run, but after we've determined to run, the next step in the race of pursuing Christ is to forget and focus. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write those two words down. Forget and focus. This is essential to running the race of the Christian life. We need to forget the past and we need to focus forward. Eyes on the prize. You know, friends, countless races over the years have been lost by runners who have taken their eyes off the prize. I shared my own story from the, the camp triathlon. One of, one of the most famous examples of how a race has been lost by taking your eyes off the prize and looking to the past. What happened in 1954? Some of our older members may remember this, this classic race known as the Miracle Mile. It took place at the British Empire Games on August 7th, 1954. It was a race between two men who were the very first people to run a sub four minute mile. The first man to ever break the four minute mile mark, running a mile in under four minutes, was a British man named Roger Bannister. He was the first to ever do it. Shortly after Roger Bannister did it, an Australian man named John Landy not only ran a sub-four-minute mile, but he actually broke Roger Bannister's record. And so these two had gained worldwide acclaim for being the only men to run this sub-four-minute mile. Well, the British Empire Games had organized this great showdown between Bannister and Landy. These two men were going to finally come together and run a race to see who was truly the fastest miler in the world. Well, Bannister knew that Landy had run faster than him in the past. But Bannister also believed that if he could just hang with Landy long enough through the first three laps around the track, Bannister felt that he could really pour it on and finally pull ahead and win the race in the last lap. And so when the starting gun fired off and the two men ran out in pursuit of the the finish line and the four-minute mile, sure enough, they were staying close together most of the race. About the second lap, however, Landy started to pull ahead of Bannister. And Bannister, recognizing that his strategy needed to be thrown out the window now, he started picking up his pace, running faster and faster. The the men finally came around the final turn of the third lap, or or the fourth lap, headed towards the finish line. And Landy had a lead. But Landy, not able to hear the footsteps of Bannister behind him, Landy looked back in a critical error to see where Bannister was. And in that split second of looking back, Bannister turned on the heat and passed Landy, winning by a hair the sub-four-minute mile race there in August 7th, 1954. It was a classic race and a classic mistake where John Landy looked back. And friends, 
There is no greater danger in the Christian life than looking back. Our enemy, the devil, loves to get us to take our eyes off the prize and to look back to the past. The enemy knows that if he can get us to take our eyes off the prize and look backwards, that he can slow us down and trip us up in our pursuit of greater growth in Jesus Christ. How, how does he get us to, to look back? Well, friends, he, he does this in a number of ways. He, he tries to get us to dwell on past failures, bringing up our, our past sins and our habitual sins and struggles. And he reminds us of these things to, to try to get us down on ourselves and think, oh, what a wretched person I am. What, what a loser I am. I, 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 I've done so many bad things. But the Apostle Paul says, forget the past. Focus forward. The enemy tries to, to get us to look to the past by regretting lost opportunities. He, he reminds us of all those times where, where we failed to, to honor Christ faithfully. Opportunities that we missed, for example, in sharing our faith with others. Oh my goodness, if, if only I had shared my faith with, with my coworker. And, and now he's passed away and his opportunity to hear Christ is gone. And the enemy brings up stories like this, reminding us of lost opportunities. And Paul says, forget the past, focus forward. You can't change the past, but you know what? You can share your faith with that neighbor in your life today. You can share your faith with your coworker this coming week. We can't change the past, Paul says. Forget the past, focus forward. Not only does the enemy try to get us to dwell on our past failures or our lost opportunities, but he also tries to get us to look backwards in terms of settling for our past victories. The enemy loves to remind Christians of how much we've done in pursuit of Christ in the past. He loves to remind us of all we've done in service of Christ in the past. Oh, you know, Jason, you know, you don't really need to worry about all this striving and pursuing Jesus stuff. I mean, think of all the mission trips you've been on. Think of all the service projects you've done. Think of all the, the good deeds you've done, Jason. Oh, you've done plenty. But friends, when we begin to think about those past victories, that can settle us into a place of complacency. Again, where we just start to drift. See, the enemy loves to turn our eyes from the prize by distracting us with what's behind us. What's the, what's the answer to this dilemma, friends? What's the Christian's response to these lies of the enemy? Paul tells us, forget the past and focus forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. Paul says here in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Friends, Paul was a one thing kind of a guy. We need to be one thing kind of people. What was Paul's one thing? Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, that was Paul's one thing. His driving desire in life was to press on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is that upward call, friends? The upward call that Christ was pursuing was the Christian's full and complete union and identity with Jesus Christ. Friends, there is no greater goal in our lives than to become more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that was Paul's driving pursuit. Paul understood all that God had done for him, how Christ had made Paul his own, how Christ had given Paul this heavenly calling. Paul understood that who he was and everything that he was was solely and purely by God's grace. And now Paul desired nothing more than to run his race to honor Christ and to bring glory to God's name. Friends, let me ask you this morning, do we share Paul's appreciation for all that we have in our salvation? Do we recognize the, the grace of God in Jesus Christ that has saved us, that has called us, that has made us his own? Friends, it, it's not about what we've done. It's about what God do, has done for us through Jesus Christ. God made us his own. God gave us this upward call. It's all a gift of grace. 
And friends, when we understand and embrace this great gospel grace, this will motivate us to press on, to run the race, faithfully seeking to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of you. Greater growth in Christ, conformity with Christ, union with Christ. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning, press on, press on, press on in pursuit of this greatest of all prizes. The third point Paul gives us here in our passage this morning, how we can run the race of the Christian life. Paul says, thirdly, friends, all this is so important. Paul says, thirdly, run with the pack, striving for the prize. Run with the pack, striving for the prize. When I was a senior in high school, I went out for the track team at Eden Prairie High School. I had grown up playing baseball, but after my sophomore year, I I was no longer good enough to make the varsity baseball team. So my junior year, I went out and tried out for the golf team, and uh, that didn't work out for me. So senior year, I decided I was going to go out for the track team. And the track team was a lot better anyway, because that's where all the cute girls were. Uh, They were on the track team. So I'm thinking, hey, you know, this will work out pretty good. I'll run track and get to hang out with a bunch of cute girls and, you know, co-ed sport. Can't beat that, right? So uh, the first day of high school track, I go out for practice, and I quickly recognized that I would have to make a decision. When it came time to run, was I going to run with the pack that was taking track seriously, striving for the prize, trying to get better, or was I going to run in the back with the slackers who were just there to screw around and play around? You know, friends, I I quickly began to realize that it was the kids who were running out front, the kids who were striving for the prize. Those were the kids that the coaches were looking at. Those were the kids that had an opportunity to actually compete in the meets. And so I decided I was going to run with the pack, striving for the prize. And, you know, friends, in the same way, when it comes to our pursuit of Jesus Christ, who you surround yourself with, makes all the difference in your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Paul here in verses 17 and 19 tells us this very thing. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Paul says, look to those examples who are striving for the prize. Follow those who are pursuing Jesus faithfully. A couple weeks ago, we had a faith story here on Sunday morning. uh, Tyson and Stephanie Anderson. Stephanie Anderson is one of our newest staff members here at Lakes Free. She's one of our administrative assistants in the office. And uh, Stephanie, this April, is going to be doing something truly incredible. Uh, in fact, not only Stephanie, but two other members of Lakes Free Church, Mark and Erica Herring, along with five of their friends, so this group of eight, they're going to be going out to the Grand Canyon out in Arizona to run a race known as the Rim to Rim Race. Now, friends, I'm telling you, this is an incredible adventure that they're taking on. The Rim to Rim Grand Canyon Race, it's a one-day, 48-mile run from one rim of the Grand Canyon to the other. 48 miles, and they're going to do this all in one day. And they run this race as a team. Now, friends, I want you to notice something. They didn't ask me to be on this team. They, They didn't ask me to join their team, and there's a reason for that. It's a 48-mile one-day race through the Grand Canyon. They didn't want to have to drag their 200-pound pastor 46 miles after I passed out two miles into the race. And so what they've done is they've collected a team of elite distance runners to join them in pursuit of the goal of the rim-to-rim race there at the Grand Canyon. Friends, you don't take on a task like that. You don't take on an adventure like that with just average, ordinary runners. You want strong runners. You want experienced runners. You want runners that you know you can count on and lean on and support one another as you run this tremendous adventure. 
And you know, in the same way, when it comes to the rim-to-rim race of our faith, friends, you want to surround yourself with strong runners. You want to run with the pack that's striving for the prize. You want to run with brothers and sisters who Paul, as Paul said of Timothy and Epaphroditus a couple of weeks ago, have proven their worth. Paul says in verse 17, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul says, look, you saw the way I pursued Jesus. Now you keep your eyes on those who are running the same way. You want to run with the pack striving for the prize. In the Greek there, that, that phrase, keep your eyes on, is really just one word. The Greek word is skopeo. It means to fix your gaze, to aim at something. And Paul says, friends, fix your gaze on those role models, on those examples who will lead the way and teach you how to pursue the prize of greater growth in Christ. You might remember a couple weeks ago in that sermon on Timothy and Epaphroditus, I made the statement. I said, discipleship is not just taught, it's caught. It's caught, friends. We, we learn how to be a disciple of Jesus by looking at the example of other faithful disciples of Jesus. And here again, Paul is calling us to find models who are worthy of our imitation. Models that we can follow. We, we need faithful disciples that we can look to for inspiration as we run our own race. For me, I, I have some great models that I look to. I have some great examples that inspire me to grow more and more in Christ-likeness. I, I think of people like, like Pastor Rick, who I mentioned a, a while ago. Pastor Rick, who has taught me so much about faithfulness and humility. I think of friends like Jim and Peggy Malko who, who have taught me so much about what it means to be a selfless servant. I, I think of my friends like Norm Barnhart and Ron Backus who, who encourage me all the time with their evangelistic zeal and winning lost people to faith in Jesus Christ. I think of friends like, like Kyle and Diane Smith and their just gracious hospitality how they warmly welcome others into our church and into their community. Friends, role models like these are the people you want to look to. We need people like these in our lives to inspire us and to encourage us and to help us as we press on in pursuit of our own growth in Jesus Christ. But you see, there's more on this point because the Apostle Paul also offers us a warning here. Paul says there are also negative examples in our world. There are poor role models, dangerous influences that can trip us up. Paul warns us here in in verses 18, he says, There are many whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Friends, Paul doesn't tell us exactly who these people are in terms of the context of Philippi. Were were these the legalistic Judaizers he mentioned last week? Were, Were these the Gnostic heretics that were also infiltrating the church, telling people that it didn't matter what we did with our physical bodies because all that matters was what we believed spiritually in our hearts? So we could live any way we wanted physically. We could indulge in all the sensual pleasures of this world. Or maybe Paul just simply had in mind backslidden Christians. Christians who were once running the race but had dropped out in pursuit of the things of this world. Friends, I'll tell you something. Who you choose to run your race with is tremendously important. And there's a great danger of running your race with people whose minds are set on earthly things not set on the pursuit of Jesus Christ. You know, young people especially, I want to encourage you this morning. Find godly role models you can look to. Find other believers there in your junior high and in your high school that you can run the race with. Believers who will encourage you and challenge you and inspire you. I remember I used to hear messages like this from my own pastor growing up and from my parents and my youth pastor. And I used to think, ah, come on, that's so 
That's so dorky, you know. But I'll tell you something. It matters who you choose to follow, who your eyes are fixed on. I have so many friends who took their eyes off of Christ, who took their eyes off of the prize, who started following the crowds of the world, who started following people whose glory was in their shame, whose minds were set on earthly things, and they strayed from Jesus. Friends, there is nothing sadder than when a Christian strays from our pursuit of Jesus Christ. Don't make that mistake. And friends, this isn't just a warning for teenagers because adults, adults, we are just as susceptible. I I heard from a brother in Christ recently who was mourning and lamenting a tragic error he had made in his life. He had started hanging out with a a crowd after work, mostly non-Christians, going to the bars after work, having some drinks after work. And as he began to hang out more and more with these worldly friends and their worldly pursuits and their worldly priorities, pretty soon he began to look more and more like his worldly friends. Pretty soon he began to exchange flirtatious uh, interactions with another one of his coworkers. Pretty soon these flirtations found him at her apartment one day after work. Pretty soon these flirtations led to sexual relationships, adulterous sexual relationships with this woman. Friends, how did this happen? It happened because he started following the wrong people. He started pursuing the wrong people. Paul says, fix your eyes on those who are going to lead you and challenge you and inspire you to greater growth in Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on those who are striving for the prize. Friends, run with the pack. In Proverbs 13.20, Proverbs 13.20, we read, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Friends, that word is so true. Who you run with matters. And I'll tell you something else. Who is looking at your run also matters. Friends, we have a responsibility to not lead others astray as we pursue the race of greater Christ-likeness. And the way you live your life will influence others who are watching you. And so, friends, we want to run the race faithfully. The last thing Paul tells us here in our passage, he ends with this great message of hope for us this morning. Paul says, fourthly, race as victors, confident of the prize. In verses 20 through 21, Paul concludes our passage. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Friends, we are citizens of heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Friends, unlike those people in our world whose minds are set on earthly things, Paul says, as we run the race of the Christian life, remember that your citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. In other words, friends, we run our race as victors confident of the prize. We've already won. We've already won. And so we can run our race with confidence. One of my favorite sporting events I've loved to watch over the years is the Tour de France bike race. And one of the interesting things about the Tour de France race is is that the winner can often win the race long before the actual course is complete. You see, the the way the Tour de France is set up is it's set up in stages. And so if, if a racer wins enough stages, they can win the race before all of the stages are complete. Because what happens is, is they get so far ahead of everybody else in terms of the stages that they've won, that even if there's two or three stages left, the other guys can't catch up. And so even if they end the finish line first, the guy who's already won the most stages will ultimately win the race. And I'll tell you something, friends. When you watch those racers who have already wrapped up the victory, the way they ride is markedly different from those who don't have the assurance of victory. The racers who already win by by locking up the stages well in advance, they race with confidence. They race with enthusiasm. They race with joy. They're pressing on for the finish line, but they're doing so with great optimism and hope because they know they've already won the victory. Friends, this is our hope 
as followers of Jesus Christ. We know we've already won the victory. We know that we race and can race with joy and enthusiasm and confidence because the victory is ours in Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, the Apostle John tells us, Beloved, we are God's children now. We are God's children now, he says. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Friends, what is John saying here? John's saying we are already victors in Jesus Christ. And we run our race in, a, in pursuit of greater Christ-likeness because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's our position in Christ as victors in Christ that should motivate us to run our race with confidence and enthusiasm and joy. Remember what Paul has told us already in the book of Philippians. In chapter 2, 12 through 13, Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But in verse 13, he tells us that it is God who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So friends, while we are called to work out our salvation, we don't do this under our own power. We do this empowered by God's Holy Spirit that lives within us. God gives us the power to do this. He empowers us to run the race. We're already victors in Jesus Christ, friends. What a hope, what assurance, what joy. Back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Friends, again, we are already children of God. We are already victors in Jesus Christ. The promises that we have in Christ are already ours, and he will be faithful to bring us to the end. And one day we shall be like Jesus. And so today, friends, we run the race, but we do so with hope and confidence and assurance. And I will tell you something, friends, in days like this, where our world is struggling with fear and doubt and uncertainty, ravaged by fear over the spread of the coronavirus, friends, we can shine brightly the light of hope in our world because we have the victory. We know that we are citizens of heaven and we await a savior from heaven. When Jesus Christ returns, the book of Titus 2.13 calls this our blessed hope. And so friends, we run the race as people of hope, looking forward to the day when Christ can return, will return. Our world needs the hope of the church today, friends. Our world needs the hope of Jesus Christ today. Our world needs the good news like never before today. And so we can share this. We can use this time. We can remind people that our hope is in the Lord, that we await a Savior from heaven who will one day transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And so, friends, today I want to encourage you to run your race to press on in pursuit of the prize, to keep striving for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, there's no greater treasure in this world than Jesus Christ. And there's no greater thing to pursue in this world than Jesus Christ. And so as Paul says, I challenge you, press on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Run after Jesus because he will never let you down. Let me close in a word of prayer this morning. And then I want to end with a benediction for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great passage from the Apostle Paul today. Lord, you are our greatest treasure. You are more valuable and surpassing worth all things in this world. God, may we look to you as the greatest treasure in our lives. May we hope in you as the, the greatest source of joy in our lives. And may we press on in pursuit of you. May we desire to grow in you. May we desire to be more and more like you. God, you help us in this race. You inspire us in this race. You empower us for this race. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can look to for encouragement in this race. God, help us as the church to be faithful in our run. Help us spur one another on in our run. Help us to continually pursue the upward call of God in Christ Jesus that you have secured for us through the blood of Christ shed on the cross.
Lord, there are so many people in our world today who don't have the hope that we have. They don't run their race as victors. They run their race in fear. Lord, help us to be good news people, gospel people who proclaim and live out each and every day our hope and confidence in you. God, may we stand differently from the world today. May we shine brightly in this world today. And may we point others to the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for who you are and all you have done for us. God, help us to run our race faithfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, again, I thank you for tuning in this morning. I hope our message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. I want to encourage you now as we wrap up to go to the Lakes Free Church website, lakesfree.org. Go to the resources tab and look for publications. And there under March 15, you will find our worship guide from this morning and the sermon discussion questions for this morning. I'd encourage you to spend some time reflecting on those sermon discussion questions. If you're with others this morning, go through those discussion questions and and consider those questions together. Let that be a way that you can continue in your worship this morning. I want to leave us with a benediction today from the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. It's a great message for us in these difficult days we find ourselves in. It's a great message for us to live and affirm to our world today. The prophet Isaiah says in verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, rest in the promise of God's presence and his power and his strength. He'll be with you and he will be faithful. I love you, church. I hope we can be together again soon. May God bless you. Amen.